The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic, where every show is an all-star game. Today, it's a tale of Graham Potter and the obdurate Austrians as Chelsea are held at home by Salzburg. Top Bowley gets salty at a conference. We round up the rest of the Chelsea news and do a quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Here we are then, your second dose of SOC for the week. We like to think of ourselves as a global thought leadership and networking forum for Chelsea supporters. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. I'm joined by two of the Athletics Chelsea experts. Simon Johnson's back with us. Morning, Simon. Hello. And Liam Toomey's also here. Hi, Liam. Great to be back with you bunch of all-stars. <laughs> Aren't we just? Um, all-stars. Not sure that is a fitting description for Chelsea versus RB Salzburg, but that is where we're going to start today. His Champions League debut, only the eighth Englishman to coach in the Champions League in this, the competition's 30th year. It is a warm welcome for the new head coach. The guys have responded really well to us. The attitude's been fantastic. The personality's been great. So uh, they've been really responsive. No complaints, apart from the fact that we're disappointed we haven't taken the three points. So not the start Graham Potter was hoping for then as his first game as Chelsea head coach ends in a one-all draw against RB Salzburg at Stamford Bridge. Raheem Sterling had the Blues ahead just after the restart, but Noah Okafor equalised 15 minutes from time to leave Chelsea in a precarious position in Group E. Uh, Liam and I were both there for this one. One of us left a voice note. Let's find out who, shall we? So there were a smattering of boos at the final whistle here at Stamford Bridge. Certainly frustration from the crowd, but they quickly turned to applause. I think the home fans appreciate the effort that they saw from Chelsea tonight in Graham Potter's first match in charge. And I think there's also an appreciation that Chelsea were genuinely unlucky not to win this game. 16 total attempts to four for Salzburg, 67% possession. And it wasn't sterile possession. There was plenty of adventurous forward passing. Chelsea moved the ball so, so quickly, partly because they were being forced to by Salzburg's relentless press. And in the first half at times, the game's tempo was absolutely manic. It didn't quite sustain that. But Chelsea were on top. Um, for most of it and certainly looked in control when Raheem Sterling curled them into the lead, a deserved lead shortly after half-time. Potter's reaction to that wasn't too overstated. He sensed he he wasn't trying to get caught in the moment, but maybe there was also something in his mind saying that, you know, from what we've seen from this Chelsea group of players recently, one goal is not usually enough. And so it proved Thiago Silva, who was absolutely spectacular for most of the game, missed one tackle after Jorginho had missed another one. Salzburg got in down the right. The shot from Noah Okafor went through Cesar Azpilicueta's legs. There was, there was definitely a slice of fortune in Salzburg's equaliser. And Chelsea threw everything at them in the closing stages. You know, Armando Breuer came on, looked incredibly lively almost scored himself, blazed one over. Conor Gallagher did well, I think. Hakim Ziyech had a chance. The crowd are really getting on his back and you can see it affecting him at this point. Chelsea threw absolutely everything at Salzburg. Rhys James also curled one just over. I'm trying to remember all the chances. There were a lot of them. 
it just wouldn't come and clearly Chelsea are in a little bit of bother now in the in this Champions League group it's nothing irreparable but one point from two games with <laughs> still to play Milan twice is certainly not the situation they wanted to be in when the draw was made so not an ideal night for Potter but I think plenty of positives to take from the performance from the intensity of nothing else uh, but plenty still to improve uh, Liam, you've had a few hours to stew on the game now. Are you still holding the same opinions that you did at full-time? There were positives, weren't there? But there were also familiar failings. I don't like what happens to my voice on those voice notes. It's very <laughs> high and reedy. I annoy me. Um, yeah, I mean, this was the gist of my match piece that I filed overnight, was that it's supposed to be the, the big start of a new era at Chelsea. But a lot of things on the night felt like we were still in the end of the old one and and felt like an ending generally, you know, from the Queen Elizabeth tributes to the 21st minute fan orchestrated applause and chanting for Tuchel. Um, to the performance itself which was, despite the best efforts of this group of players um, to turn over a new leaf immediately under Graham Potter, they were undone by some familiar failings, weren't they? Lots of possession, lots of shots, perhaps not as many shots as there should have been, given how many good positions they got into, a lack of ruthlessness, and then finding a way to concede a goal when there didn't appear to be much danger. And it ends up being a result that puts Chelsea in a bit of bother in this group now. It's it's perfectly reparable, but one point from two games against Dinamo Zagreb and and Salzburg with Milan still to come home and away is not the scenario anyone would have anticipated when the draw was made. You're basically thinking if Chelsea don't win both those games against Milan, realistically they're playing for second now. Uh, And that's not great, but... I thought there were some positives in the performance that we could get into. Uh, 17 shots at goal, but only four of them on target. Uh, Simon, what did you think of the team when it was announced? We spent a, a lot of time on the gantry trying to get the formation right. Graham Potter said it was a back three as far as I was concerned, with Reese and Raheem giving us the width. Um, there were some bold calls in there, right? I mean, leaving 100 million quid's worth of new centre-backs on the bench for one. Yeah, I'd say... Uh, of all the things I didn't expect or didn't call was the paciest centre-back pairing probably that the Champions League has ever seen in uh, Tiago Silva and Asper the Um Of course, with uh, Cucurella on, on, on the left making that back three. That that was quite a, an eyebrow-raising selection. And of course, what one of the things that, that took some people by surprise was uh, Raheem Sterling's position. But um, I thought it actually worked really well. And Sterling had a really good game, I thought. Looked really dangerous. Really exploited the the width that he was given. Um, and you'd have to say, if you were going to give... A, 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 it sounds a bit of a contradiction in terms, given the way that the Chelsea have been playing. But if you were to give a player of the season so far, you'd probably give it to Sterling, right? I mean, he, he's not he's not been peak you know I think there's a lot more to come from him but I think given the way that Chelsea struggled and the goals he scored he's doing well I I did think there was a 
there was an improvement going forward for a while there. They seemed to be playing with a bit more confidence, a bit more freedom. But what I thought was really noticeable was that about the hour mark, they stopped playing. It was almost like they went, oh, 1-0, let's kind of just hold it. It got a bit scrappy and they kind of allowed Salzburg to, to play their way back into the game. And they only rallied themselves again after what was a pretty poor equaliser. I mean, it's, it, it's remarkable how often, and I think Tuchel remarked on this at, at some point, that every time they make a mistake, they're getting punished at the moment. And the, the manner of that defending right from the top of the pitch, when Sterling, funnily enough, having praised him, he, he gives the ball away. Uh, he doesn't make a tackle. Uh, there was another missed tackle. Thiago Silva had been having a fine game, but that was a really poor um, tackle that he didn't make. And then Aspilicueta was, even though he looked a couple of times, went, oh, there's my man, there's my man, proceeded to then watch his man beat him to the cross at the near post. So it, it, it was a it was a poor equaliser. And, um, and, and yeah, like I said, you know, Chelsea then rallied themselves, uh, but unfortunately couldn't provide that end product, which has been a very common uh, theme for not just this season, but for, for quite a while now. Just to follow up on what Simon said there, XG news. <laughs> Chelsea's XG against was 0.42, which is by quite a distance the best they've produced this season. So it was the best defensive performance that Chelsea have produced. Salzburg had pretty much nothing. There was one header from Noah Okafor, um, cross from the left that was briefly dangerous, but he headed straight at Kepper. Um, but they... They really struggled to get going. They they did a lot of running Salzburg, but not a lot else. And that made the, I think that made the equaliser all the more galling for for Stamford Bridge to take because it it feels like the creativity that Chelsea lack in the final third when it comes to scoring, they have in abundance when it comes to finding ways, finding new ways to concede goals out of very little danger, and it was. Yeah, just quite deflating, I think. I think for a lot of the evening, they looked a bit like Tuchel's Chelsea, except a lot faster and a lot more physical. The effort was absolutely there. The intensity was there. There was a lot more, I thought, bravery in possession in terms of trying to play forward first rather than getting into the slow, safe, sideways passing that I think has infuriated a lot of people in recent months. But in the end, it didn't make a difference to the to the scoreline and, and that's the most important thing. 17 days between uh, this game and Chelsea's next fixture, Simon. We're talking about the defence there. I, I mentioned Koulibaly and Fafana. From Fafana's perspective, I think you can, you can give him a pass or you can understand maybe why he wasn't playing here. He played, what, 12 games for Leicester throughout the whole of last season. But if you're Koulibaly, you've got to be a bit concerned, haven't you? Um... I mean, it's only one game, um, but you, you would be understanding a bit, kind of, hang on. Um, but then at the same time, Keita Bally hasn't made the best of starts, so perhaps, I don't know whether Graham Potter was asked about about his decision, um, but perhaps it was a, a case of taking him out of the firing line a little bit, sort of having some time to work with him, of course, the international break's coming up, so that's going to be a huge disruptor to, to Potter. Um, working with his players but he's got a few extra days 
with the weekend as well, which is a bit of a bonus, I'm sure, as, as far as he's concerned, albeit under circumstances I'm sure he, he'd, he'd prefer not to be around. But yeah, Koulibaly has to raise his game, as they all do. It's a classic case of when a new manager comes in, um, you've got to justify your spot and, and you know, he may be upset, but, but he also has to look in the mirror a little bit and just say, right, OK, my adaption to English football has not gone as uh, smoothly as perhaps he would have wanted. But he is, you know, at the same time, as good a player as he is, perhaps it's understandable. I mean, it's a totally different pace of game. Um, what I would say is that the pace of European football would, would surely be more to his liking than the Premier League. The moment I saw, as much as I like Azpilicueta as a captain and, and Silva as players, I, I, I did think it was a, a strange call to have the two of them together because they, they would be vulnerable pace-wise. And, and so it proved that right at the end, unfortunately. Yeah, plenty of time for Koulibaly to turn it around. We've seen lots of players come to the Premier League with big reputations, struggle and then turn it around. Uh, right, on my to me checklist, uh, I've ticked off XG chat. Now I'd like you to justify Kai Havertz's continued selection ahead of Armando Breuer, please. I can't. Um, you know, I, th- I, I thought Havertz provided a continuation of what he's been doing recently, which is that the things he does well, pressing, dropping off to link play, are nice and they're useful, but they're not the things that most affect winning when you're playing as a forward. And he didn't carry as much threat as he needed to. When I remember one chance he had where there was, I can't remember who played it over the top, maybe it was Mount, sort of scooped ball over the top of the Salzburg defence and, and he went to volley it. It would have been a magnificent goal and he just completely kicked air. And it feels like that that kind of summed up where Havertz is right now. We we thought maybe that that West Ham winner might have been a bit of a platform for him. But there have been a few moments like that, haven't there, in, in his Chelsea career over the last year or so, where he's made a big contribution but then not kicked on. And at the same time, every time Armando Breuer comes on, he looks incredibly lively, very physical, very fast, a real handful. He brings an intensity that I think Chelsea can lack sometimes. And he, uh, yeah, I think I think he's more than earned a, a chance to, to start because he, he was unlucky not to score last night. He, I think he slightly snatched at that volley right at the end and got a little bit under it. But he looks like he's in the kind of position where one goal could really set him flying in terms of his confidence because everything else about his game looks looks really on point. I would say if you're going to play two up top, there's an argument for maybe starting him with Havertz. So Havertz can link play and you drop a Bamiyang who wasn't very good either. Um, I, th- I thought he actually took a step back from what he did against Dinamo. But of course, it's very early in his Chelsea career and we'll see what he can do, f- do from here. But whoever makes way, I think Breuer has a really strong case to come in now. So, Simon, what have Chelsea got to do to, to squeeze through in Group E? You thinking, what, minimum four points against Milan and then win the other two? Certainly four points for Milan, yeah, um, to start with. I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, they, they can salvage this situation. Yes, it's been a terrible start, but it's not like the, the other teams have really broken away from them. Um 
Now, four points, Milan, you could argue is tough ask. It's, it's, the, it's the best team, obviously, in, in the group. Uh, and Chelsea have floundered against the, the two, two of the worst teams. But I, I still think Chelsea are going to turn up. There, there, there is going to be... I'm, I'm confident. I'm, I'm, this is the upbeat Simon here coming to play. Not the, not the doom and gloom ahead of a trip to Goodison Park that I was last season. I think Chelsea will, will turn this around. Famous last words. Mind you, I should keep quiet actually because when the when the group was drawn, I was like, "Oh yeah, Tuchel will be happy with that," and uh, yeah, it's all looking good. Well, he's no longer there, and <laughs> Chelsea got mighty one point from two games. But yeah, four points, and then inevitably, if they get that kind of tally, obviously you they need that win at Stamford Bridge. You know, you don't you don't want it to be a draw and then needing to win in the San Siro. That would that would put them under incredible amount of pressure, but. Inevitably, if they manage to get that four points, or who knows, maybe six, that that momentum will then hopefully carry them into the final two games because they, they'll still look at those rematches with Dinamo and and Salzburg and think, yeah, we, we can win those. So it, it's not it, it's not all bad, but yeah, it's just been bad so far. Get Dennis Wise on the plane for the trip to the San Siro <laughs> and, and get him away back at Yoko somehow in that. Milan team <laughs> right no game then this weekend as we know so the Blues won't be back in action now until the 1st of October when they go to Crystal Palace Todd Bowley's comments at the wonderfully named Salt Conference have caused a stir all-star games feeder clubs and more on the agenda Liam you've written about this for The Athletic I feel like the, the all-star game thing took the headlines but but the feeder club idea is, is surely much more interesting and, and newsworthy, particularly to Chelsea supporters. Yeah, I think it's, well, first of all, it's something that's far more likely to happen rather than the sort of off-the-cuff suggestion which the All-Star game seemed to be. And given the way that it's been greeted with hysteria and, and mockery over the last 24 hours, it's probably quite unlikely to get any further than, uh, than just an in-the-moment suggestion. That was just a guy spitballing, answering a question he was asked, wasn't it? I feel like it was massively overblown, the reaction to that. Yeah, and it was also tied to the context of talking about ways to fund the pyramid, in the words of Bodhi, which I think, you know, should be greeted with a healthy scepticism when it's it's being spoken about by any Premier League owner, let alone a, a big six club owner. But, you know, at this point, Bowley's been in the door about five minutes. You probably have to take his comments at, at face value until we have reason to believe otherwise. But the multi-club model was really interesting because we hadn't had any indication prior to that conference that it was something that Chelsea were seriously looking at. And not only are they seriously looking at it, but Bowley specifically referenced Portugal twice um, as the the likely venue for a club that um, Chelsea may look to buy. It also frames that June meeting with George Mendes in a slightly different light. Maybe that was another thing that was discussed in addition to Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and he also mentioned Belgium, which we know that you know there there are clubs that are already owned by people who have interests in Premier League clubs in Belgium, most notably Tony Bloom at Brighton. So that that's really interesting, and it, and I think it's um, whether it's good for football is is a completely separate question. But I think it's interesting because the youth development pathway 
problem is one that Chelsea have been grappling with as a club for more than a decade. And you had you had the informal relationship with Vitesse over a number of years that had sort of mixed results. You had the mass loan system, which again had hugely varying results. And this would be a way to exert more direct control over the minutes that your best young players are getting, the level they're playing at, the way they're being used. And again, you know, if that's whether that's good for the club that Chelsea's owners end up buying or for football as a whole is another question. But it does seem like it would be a more effective solution for Chelsea, given the amount of talent that they have coming through their academy. And as Bodhi mentioned, another interesting aspect of that is it's the perfect place to park young Brazilians that you might sign um, as kind of a gateway to Europe. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. I mean, whether football in general is comfortable with this idea of a big club hoovering up other clubs, um, you know, there's a different argument entirely. But clearly, you know, Chelsea are looking at Man City. I mean, they're, they're taking a lot of Man City staff, for one thing, and, and admiring what they're doing. And it is a case of, as, as Todd Bowley said, sort of wanting to have a say, control over over what is happening to a young player. You know, you reference or when it goes on loan, it's very much out of our hands. But I, I just want to, I suppose, address the, the sort of the outcry really over the, the All-Star game, etc. And this is this is not me defending uh, the idea. Um, it it, it is, isn't an idea that, that thrills me. I, I don't really... Uh, I'm a fan of American sports, but I never tune into the all-star game in the various sports. It has no interest for me because there's, there's nothing at stake. Although you could say that, for example, people sort of very being very dismissive of the idea. I sort of think back to, well, look at the popularity of, perhaps listeners abroad might may not know about this, but the Soccer Aid game, which is held every year, a combination of ex-pros and celebrities that always raises quite a lot of money for charity. The games, from what I can see, is always a sellout. So you can sort of see there is some kind of market for this kind of thing. But like I said, I, I'm not getting too much into that idea. I'm just really uncomfortable. And it's not because I cover a club with American owners. It's not because I work for a company that is American-based. I'm just very uncomfortable that in England there is this mocking laughing at Americans and that this dates back to Jesse Marsh, you know, the Leeds manager, this kind of making a joke out of him, Ted Lasso. Ever since Todd Bowley's taken over Chelsea, everything he's done has been laughed at. He doesn't know about football. What does he know? Blah, blah, blah. Talk about a multi-billionaire here, very successful businessman. And I, I just don't like this kind of, the way we're coming across as a nation that if someone puts out forward an idea, yes, it may be a bit silly, but there seems to be this kind of other attitude towards it. It's not just the idea that's being mocked, it's the, the person that it's coming from. And I just feel very uncomfortable about how we're coming across as English football fans, this kind of superior snobbery that, oh, you know, it's our game, what do you know? Um, admittedly, Todd Bailey did sort of, Perhaps didn't phrase it the best way by saying, oh, you guys can learn a bit from American sports. I, I can understand why that might have rubbed up people similarly the wrong way. But 
I just sort of think generally this kind of laughing at Americans is, is, is just a little bit in bad taste at the moment. I understand the lack of trust, given that we're in a post-European Super League, post-project big picture reality. But you have to kind of open your eyes and, and see the distinction between someone suggesting something in public at a conference with a view to maybe starting a conversation and a bunch of owners and executives meeting secretly at a hotel somewhere to plot the downfall of the established order of European football and, and kind of the, the slicing up of the pie between them. You know, I'd much rather have this, even if the ideas brought to the table are not ones that we as a, like in the game ultimately want to go with. I think it's much better to have the conversation out in the open. And there's, there's a, a clear distinction between suggestions aimed at growing the revenue pie, the existing revenue pie of football and suggestions, well, and plots to, you know, snatch a bigger slice of the pie for yourself or to create a whole new pie just for yourself. So I think, I think, um, Bowley's comments didn't really deserve the hysteria that they that they got, even if, as Simon says, there might be a hundred million there might be a hundred different reasons. Hundred million's a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> why an all-star game either can't work or is just not an idea you want to pursue. Yeah, my final point on this is okay, bad idea, but come up with something yourself, you know. Yeah, don't just sort of go, oh, it's rubbish. Uh come up with something else then you know it's very easy to to shoot ideas down um but uh, what have you got on your table that, that's a far more positive addition to the, uh, the the conversation than just sort of um mocking someone and you know it's if nothing else what what this has done is it perhaps it started a conversation you know or what what can we do what can we do but i totally get you know the not just the um the concept of this, also, I, I, quite, I was quite amused by people going, "Oh, what about the Midlands? <laughs> Sorry. Where would the Midlands fit in the north, north, south?" You know, for me, that that's the north. I, I still think that's the north. I think uh, let, let's uh, let's leave them out of the south. Um, oh dear, start opening a can of worms there. Um, <laughs> just do. Just, I saw someone suggest online organise it based on where players are from, you could just do South London versus the rest. <laughs> yeah, versus the world. I don't think there's many Villa or Wolves players going to be getting in that team anyway. Um, it is nice, even as we say, even if the ideas are, are not ones that we immediately like, it, it's good to hear from an owner slash chairman because we don't hear it from, from Cronky or Sheikh Mansour or Daniel Levy or Malcolm Glazer or John Henry. So at least, at least Todd Bowley's getting involved and, and showing an interest in it. But anyway, there's not going to be an all-star game. There never was. There might be a feeder club. More on that on The Athletic, I am sure, as it develops. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod. The place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, take two for the WSL season opener this weekend after the first round of games were postponed last week. Chelsea go to newly promoted Liverpool on Saturday tea time. Charlotte Harper joined us on last Thursday's show to preview this season. So do check that out if you missed it. And Jesse Parker Humphreys will be back with us on next week's pod to fill us in on the match on Merseyside. Uh, elsewhere, a few hours prior to Chelsea's one-all draw against Salzburg in the Champions League, their under-19 counterparts faced off in the UEFA Youth League at Cobham. The result was exactly the same, right down to Chelsea taking the lead 
lead and not holding on to it. Lewis Hall did put them ahead, but they conceded an 83rd minute equaliser. Uh, next up for them, like the seniors, the doubleheader against AC Milan. Before that, this weekend sees the Dev Squad take on Crystal Palace in PL2. That's a 2pm kickoff on Saturday, whilst the under-18s host Norwich in the under-18 PL South. 11 o'clock is the start time for that one at Cobham. All right, let's do a quiz. Um, I'm sorry, guys. I think you're going to absolutely, absolutely hate this one. I was scratching around to try and find a theme. And basically, apart from Simon's last question, it's about stuff that happened in and around this weekend. So there's no game this weekend, but what happened in past seasons this weekend? So, you know, this middle of September, Simon already looks furious. Liam, you're going first. On this weekend last year, Tony Rudiger scored his first goal of the season as Chelsea swatted aside Spurs 3-0 in North London. Rudiger would go on to score four more goals last season. Tell me at least three of the teams they came against, please. Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, one had to be against Leicester. He always scores against Leicester. He did, and he did. So you've only so got I've one got more to get. One more to get. Um, From two possible options. Oh, uh, Brentford. Brentford. The one long shot well that went in. <laughs> uh, the other one, did you know that? No. Also against Spurs in the League Cup. All right. One for Liam. Simon, here you go. The Premier League season 2020-21 got underway this weekend, two years ago. Uh, it was delayed because the old pandemic thingy. Uh, Chelsea had to wait until Monday night for their game. Who was it against and what was the score? Brighton. Yes. Three one. Oh, perfect. What a start. I love the fact that you massaged the correct answer. <laughs> yeah, out of your temples. That was extraordinary. No, this is this is what I do every day. <laughs> what? Damn it. We really ought to record the, uh, the video at least, just so people can see that. Uh, let's definitely not do that. Uh, Liam, here's your second question. I'm a bit worried that these questions are a bit easy, but let's see. On this weekend, back in 2006, Didier Drogba's goal gave Chelsea a 1-0 win over Liverpool at the bridge to send the Blues eight points clear at the top of the table. Which Chelsea midfielder got sent off in that game? 2006. I don't remember Lampard ever getting sent off. Maybe it happened. I don't remember it. Um, I'm going to say Claude Makélélé. Simon, there's a steal possibility here. Mikel. It's a good. Uh, it's a good shout, uh, but it's not right. It was Michael Ballack. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that dirty. Yeah, yeah, renowned. <laughs> Right, listen, you don't know this, but we've just had a lengthy delay because Liam's got some technical issues. So if he loses the quiz, he can rightly blame them on that. Although Simon thinks that this is all just part of the master plan. Um, Simon, here's your second question. On this weekend in 1999, Chelsea lost 1-0 at Watford. In the Hornets side that weekend was a man who will manage a nation at the World Cup later this year. Name that manager. Watford manager it could literally be anyone. No, not a Watford yeah. manager. It was a player. There's a player. Oh. I can't think of any... I can't think of any managers. Right, Lucy's holding up a copy of Cosmopolitan magazine. It's not a Cosmopolitan manager. 
That's throwing me even more, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Liam, do you want to pinch it? A Watford player who's now an international manager. Hmm. Wow, Lucy's saying so easy, which is very unlike her. It's only easy if you know it. <laughs> Gonna have to push you, Liam. It is unlike her, and that's thrown me off even more. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's Rob Page. Oh, I don't even remember. Yes, it, it was easy. You're <laughs> correct. Of course it well, was. I think there are a lot of listeners thinking me and Liam, yes, don't uh, perhaps give up the day job. Yeah, that was that was bad, yeah. Not on the same page, you might say. The thing is, what makes it even worse is I interviewed Rob Page when he was at Watford. So that, that... <laughs> About his ambitions to be Wales manager at a World Cup. I, I think I should lose the quiz just because of that, regardless of what happens now. Well, look, it's nicely poised. Last question, 1-1. One, one. You've both missed question two. Liam, here's your final question. This weekend in 2016, Chelsea slipped to a 2-1 home defeat to Liverpool. That was one of only two home losses in all competitions that season. Of course, Chelsea would go on to win the league. Who was the other defeat at Stamford Bridge against? So they lost to Liverpool and they lost to one other team. Antonio Conte's Chelsea. Romp to the Premier League title. So Liverpool was really early in the season. Yeah, it was this weekend. Yeah. Um, I'm, the, only, the other losses I remember were away against Arsenal and Spurs. Yeah, don't need there those. There must have been one right at the end of the season that didn't matter. Um, which would be exactly the type of question you would dream up as well. <laughs> I'm going to say West Ham. Simon, can you pinch it? I've got a feeling, by the way, I was messaging my editor there. I wasn't Googling. Um, <laughs> I got a feeling that... Are we talking Stop saying about... Black Eyed Peas songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, where is the love? Um, <laughs> I've got a feeling that... Uh, this is an honour. Is it in homage to Don Firefield's Crystal Palace? Oh, tonight's going to be a good night in the Johnson household. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. For the W. 3-2. Yeah, it was quite near question? the end, wasn't it? Sort of it near was, the, yeah. Near the running, yeah. And I want to say Sam Allardyce was managing Palace, which made it even weirder. Um, but yeah, anyway. So you've won, Simon. So this is the tap-in. Now, this question well, does not fit still. with the theme of the rest of the quiz because uh, <laughs> it was gone midnight when I was on the train home last night and I was looking at the script and realised that I hadn't done a third question for you and I couldn't think of one based on this weekend. So it is simply, what is Wesley Fofana's squad number? Oh, Liam's smiling. Oh, God. So easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. 33. Oh, he's got it. Absolutely extraordinary. <laughs> Crushing didn't victory. even have to massage his tennis. <laughs> <laughs> You're in decent form at the moment, Simon. No, I, I lost I lost last week to, yeah, to Dom. That. Dom's the uh, the man city at the, at the moment. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, staying, staying within touching distance. There wasn't even a single Darren Barnard in that quiz. Um, 
Never mind. Maybe it should actually good. be called the Darren Barnard stroke Mal Donaghy quiz, shouldn't it? Yeah, it should now trophy. in their yeah. honour. Okay, well, the last one of the season, we'll get one of those two to prevent present the trophy <laughs> to, um, to somebody. <laughs> Liam, what are you writing for Athletic subscribers to enjoy, please? Um, well, I've already got a piece written about Kalidou Koulibaly talking about some of the problems he's had in his first weeks as a Chelsea player, some of the good flashes that we saw against Tottenham and perhaps, you know, what Graham Potter can do to try and get the good bits out of him and um, eliminate the some of the bad things. So that'll be up on site, I think, a, a bit later this week. Um, there's still, you know, my piece analysing Todd Bowley's comments at Salt Conference, which I think will be relevant for a while, particularly if we get movement on on this developmental club at some point soon. Uh, and beyond that, it's just kind of, yeah, monitoring what's going on on the on the ownership front. I think in the in the next couple of weeks. Oh, and I might be at some point taking a look at how Callum Hudson Odoi is settling in at Leverkusen. Nice, uh, Simon. How about you? Um, so I'm. Today I'm putting together a piece, sort of trying to explain uh, what the owners are looking for in a sporting director. Of course, it, it, it's is very much um, becoming an increasing talking point. Um, I've written also a piece about uh, we're doing a series on the Athletic at the moment about club badges. Uh, what do they mean? What what do the various symbols mean? I've done my best to stretch it out to the word count that I was asked to do. <laughs> But I, I've gone into the history of it. I mean, it's it's quite you know fascinating that uh, that um, you know the the story of the badge has changed a few times. And um, all, all I'll say is there's a little teaser, a little teaser that I've I've interviewed an ex Chelsea player, um, which will be coming out next week. I won't say who it is. I, I don't know if I'm on Monday show or not. I can perhaps talk about it then. If I'm not on, Lucy looks delighted. That I'm not on Monday's show, uh, but let's just say that next week there will be an interview with, with the next Chelsea player, um, which hopefully will um, go down quite well. Finally, the Darren Barnard long read. We've all <laughs> been waiting for Kennedy, Kennedy piece. <laughs> um, by the way, if you like club badge chat, check out the uh, Monday. I think it was Monday or Tuesday episode of the Football Clichés podcast. Also from the Athletic, um, there's a very funny kind of head-to-head who would win a fight between the various badges. Chelsea's lion does pretty well, as you would imagine. Uh, elsewhere on the Athletic, our senior football writer Daniel Taylor has a piece up on the challenges facing Graham Potter at Chelsea. Our friend Dom has teamed up with Stuart James to explain how Graham Potter's methods may suit Chelsea's busy fixture schedule. And Flo Lloyd Hughes has written about Chelsea's patient management of Lauren James. Plenty of stuff then to go at athletic.com slash Chelsea pod. The place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. We'll be back next week looking back on the start of the WSL season and whatever happens in their wild and crazy world of Chelsea Football Club do join us for that if you can until then many thanks to Lucy to Simon to Liam and to you we'll catch up with you next week bye for now The Athletic